Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the WrestleTalk podcast Smackdown review with a bit of AEW Rampage on the side. I am El Fakador Laurie Blake and I am standing in for Chopper Pete Quinnell who's having an early Christmas Christmas by having some time off. And I'm joined by his regular partner in crime, Tempest. How are you doing, my friend? We don't get to do these very often. I know. I was just about to say, I think this is like the second one that we've ever done together. So that's very Mm. exciting. I'm doing well, you know. I think I've finally reached a bit of that Christmas spirit in that I can watch SmackDown and just be like, oh, it's not that big a deal. Who cares? Let's just watch a show and then get on with with the Christmas spirit and get on with life. So I don't. It's have almost to the end of the year where we won't have to watch wrestling for a few days while we just fill ourselves with food. I know. What a joy. It's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Even though there is wrestling on all all of the Christmas all of the Christmas days, there's wrestling this year. Yeah, yeah. I'm not not planning on watching any of it. I got to be honest. I might watch Rampage on Christmas Day, but that mm. might just be because I actually enjoy watching AEW content most of the time. So if I get to the end, it's like nine or ten o'clock on Christmas Day. I'll probably be about ready to pass out full of turkey by that point. So if I want to just put something on and fall asleep to it, it'll probably be Rampage. Nice. I mean, is there a big tradition in Canada of like Christmas specials of regular TV shows? Because we obviously have that over here. We get, you know, the Doctor Who Christmas special and we get Christmas specials of all these kind of like cult classic uh, programs that have just been made specifically to go out on Christmas Day or New Year's Day even. Um, And that becomes quite a bit of a thing to be like, are you going to watch the Christmas Strictly Come Dancing? Are you going to watch the Christmas (laughs) this? Are you going to watch the Christmas that? I mean, I don't. To be honest, no one watches anything in my house except my sister, who watches the same episode of Rainbow every day from the 1970s over and over again. There is no room in my house to watch (laughs) what you want on the telly. It's just not possible. Yeah, I mean, we've got like... Like the Charlie Brown Christmas special will probably be on and, and that sort of thing. But I don't think there's anything strictly Canadian. There there might be. And I just am not in touch with my own country's culture, I suppose. But uh, there's there, because it's on a Saturday this year, there's going to be tons of sports on all the time. So I think that will probably dominate most of the airwaves this year. 
You know, there's there's NFL games. There's probably going to be an NHL game or two, you know, stuff like that. So that'll be something. But I don't know. I feel like there's definitely the Charlie Brown Christmas special. And then they'll just play movies on most channels. You know, you'll have a wonderful life. You'll probably have Love Actually. You know, you'll probably have like the first two Harry Potter movies on there. They're kind of Christmas movies. There's Christmas in them. <laughs> we're we're gonna. I think we'll talk about uh, Christmas films when we come back after the the main show. Let's hop into the main show now, though. Which is uh, the main topic is Paul Heyman was fired on SmackDown by Roman Reigns. Goodness gracious me! There's also the AEW Rampage review in there somewhere. Please do enjoy the show. Hello. Oh dear! Messed this up again. I've always missed. <laughs> Hello, something about Paul Heyman we're doing. It's it's the SmackDown and Rampage podcast. I'm here. I've been put in charge of the tech, and I don't know what's going on because Pete is away, and I can't log into anything. My camera's broken. It's all gone, Pete Tong. Uh, but I am John, <laughs> who is normally here. Tempest, why don't you know how anything works? I know how things work. <laughs> No, you, well, why didn't you fix that then? Why did why did that go wrong? In you embarrassed me, Tempest. You've embarrassed me, Tempest. I was dancing. I, well, anyway. I don't know. <laughs> so hey, guess what? Big news, guys. Big news. Uh, on SmackDown this week, um, in a in the normal Roman Reigns talking about Brock Lesnar segment, uh, finally things came to a head with Paul Heyman, and uh, Paul ended up being fired from the bloodline uh this was this was kind of like a this was a through line throughout this entire episode after paul had essentially accidentally advocated for brock lesnar last week in a in a bit yeah. that uh happened with um sammy zane uh which obviously pissed off roman roman wasn't there last week and then paul spent most of the episode stood in the parking lot waiting for roman to turn <laughs> up it's just like just i don't know man just sit in the dressing room wait till he gets here um he waits in the parking lot for the first bit then a car pulls up and he's like ah oh, my tribal chief and brock lesnar gets out in these amazing <laughs> incredible dungarees that i i cannot get over the sort of like hardcore wurzel gummage vibes that brock lesnar is putting out there at this moment in time um this builds to a this builds to a moment in which um uh, basically, in the ring, Roman Roman arrives, blanks Heyman, gets out of the wrong side of the car, which you can tell you can tell he's pissed because he's got out the wrong side of the car. Um, they then wander off to uh, <laughs> into the ring, and um, Roman gives Heyman the opportunity to explain himself. Basically, the, the Usos are there; they've lost earlier in the evening. Roman says to them, "You know, you know, I, I prefer it if my cousins win. I don't like it when they lose, but as we're blood, we can get over that." right um then they said paul you're not blood so we're gonna have to question you a little bit. he <laughs> says did you know that brock lesnar was coming back at SummerSlam? did you know that he was going to be at madison square garden did you know that uh, his uh, suspension was going to be lifted are you a special counsel or are you an advocate um, which i think this is the, this was really i think this little bit was really well done i think obviously like typically Heyman and Reigns are kind of the highlights of SmackDown. Yeah. And then they had this, this really wonderful little moment where uh, Paul says, um, you know, he says, I, I'm on your team. I didn't, it wasn't that I've been protecting Roman asked him, Were you protecting Brock from me? He goes, No, I wasn't protecting 
Brock from you. I was protecting you from Brock. Uh, and then there's this, just this fascinating little bit of interplay between the two of them where Roman looks at him and you think, oh, that, that will be the thing that pushes Roman over the edge. And it's not like Roman snaps. Roman does this, this amazing, he, he gives him a cuddle and he says, I love you, <laughs> wise man. Uh, and then he says, thank you for being honest. And then he says, you're fired. Um, and it just had this really like mafia moment to it, right? It had this whole sort of um, that real feeling of like there's genuine affection there, but it has to be like it has to be this way. You've gone too far. You've you've overstepped the mark. So we're gonna have to like put you down. What did you make of it, Tempest? We gotta put you down, man. We're gonna put you Which... down, Heyman. <laughs> it was it was kind of interesting to me because you know we've been skirting this line since before SummerSlam. You know, maybe not before SummerSlam, maybe since SummerSlam when Brock came back. You know, this has just kind of been like their running storyline where they do little teases, but not no big major turning point moments in this segment. And this was really like the first big turning point of this storyline. Like we had, you know, we had the Saudi Arabia match where they went in, but nothing was really solved there. It was just more questions. This was the first time that we got some answers. And it's just interesting. I think everything that Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman and the Usos were doing in this segment was really good. I always love the subtlety of these kind of segments where you can tell a lot just by looking at like the background characters while other people are talking. You know, you look at the Usos and you get their reaction while Roman Reigns is doing his thing. And I like that the Usos and Roman Reigns' reactions are very different because they're very different characters. Hmm. I just think there's a lot of really good character writing in these kind of segments, you know, and it's stuff that we sure don't get on most of the rest of SmackDown. But I, I'm really interested to see where this sort of thing still goes because Paul Heyman didn't say that he was like advocating for Brock Lesnar. He was mm. just, you know, doing things that made Roman Reigns upset. So you could go to, to day one and have Roman and Brock and have, you know, Brock be in a position to win and have Paul Heyman do something to have Roman Reigns retain the title. Because I still don't think the title's changing hands before WrestleMania at the very earliest, you know. So there's a lot of ways that you can kind of work your way through this. And I'm still really intrigued as to where we go with the whole storyline. So this, to me, was a good segment. I walked away from the end of SmackDown going like, hell yeah, you know. Brock Lesnar came out and he beat up Roman Reigns. And you don't usually get to see Roman Reigns just laying at the end of a show, too. So seeing mm. all of this again was was really, really interesting. And I think it was a good uh, a good shot in the arm for this this storyline because I know Pete was saying that he wasn't a big fan of uh, just like how long it's been going on and needed something different. This was something different, so it was, this gets a thumbs up. Yeah, I think that yeah, we've seen a lot of this kind of uh, will they won't they break up angle between Roman and Heyman and whose side is Heyman on, and it's nice to finally sort of get a, a resolution to that to some degree, but a resolution that leaves things open because yes. Uh, Roman turns around like cold clocks uh, Heyman when he's when he's not looking. Then he goes. Then he like sets up for a concerto. Like this is going big on this moment. Um, and then Brock arrives in his in his like stretch farmer strong, <laughs> like, <laughs> running out, hits people with the farm hands, uh, hits some F fives, powers through a super kick, and then powers through um, being hit with a chair from Roman Reigns to stand up into an F five, hits another one on Reigns. Which I just thought this. This was just an incredible moment. Like this was, this was like Brock unhinged. Like Brock has Brock has been on the ranch and he's and he's powered up to the <laughs> nines. Uh, <laughs> he only gets he gets his manner back when he spends time in the wilds. Um, but he's just he's got this 
presence to him now, and he's got this kind of ruthlessness. And yeah, like they've obviously, we've obviously had the crown jewel match, and we've had Heyman wavering there, and we've had you know uh, the bloodline kind of overpowering Lesnar and tricking him and all that kind of stuff. This is now an unhinged Brock Lesnar who's sort of quite chipper about his role really in in wanting mm. to just come out and lay waste to Roman Reigns. So this really does feel like um, this felt like payoff to what Heyman had said earlier when he says, I'm protecting you from Brock Lesnar. Because what has happened now is he says that to Roman Reigns. That insults Roman's honour. Roman says, well, that's it. You're fired. Um, and then immediately Heyman is proven right. So now Roman has put a Roman has put a wedge between him and his wise man, the person he needs to kind of come up with a strategy and help him. Um, and that is that is fundamentally it, right? Like there, this could be a situation in which you go into day one and Roman makes a critical error that he never thought about because yeah. Heyman wasn't there, or Heyman does something huge to buy back favour with Roman Reigns, thus costing Brock the title. Or Heyman's pissed now, and Heyman helps Brock win the title. So it's like this. This was a great segment because it had a lot of drama. It had a lot of um, it had a lot of character work between really well established uh, teams and and kind of the kind of stuff you want to see drawn out of the history of all of these characters. But it leaves it all open for uh, multiple different angles to play out on day one, which is what you yeah. want. You don't want the surprise to to um, to basically be given away ahead of the show. So I thought this I thought this was all really, really good stuff in what was otherwise a pretty boring show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to the rest of it. But I think I think we finally found the the guy that can overcome WWE's bad booking of baby faces. And the secret mm. is you just have to pay someone as much as you pay Brock Lesnar and you can't screw it up anymore. Mm -hmm. You know? They just if they paid everybody 5 or 6 million dollars a year, everyone would be booked well. You know, yeah, no, that's true. That's but I love the wrong. idea also, yeah, that's it. So you've got to take care because you're paying him a lot of money every single year. But I love the yeah. fact that they also just didn't, they just didn't care about, <laughs> um, they don't care what he looks like anymore. They don't care no. about kind of the mystique <laughs> of Brock Lesnar. They're just like, yeah, man, turn up in whatever you want from whatever you were oh. wearing before. He looks, he looks like he's like pre-she's all that is what Brock Lesnar yeah. dresses like now. He looks like he's like, take your glasses off, let your hair down, and you're one step away from going to junior prom. <laughs> like, that's what Brock Lesnar looks like at the moment. And it's it's brilliant. I love it. Oh, um, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's so wonderful. I mean, Brock Lesnar coming out in, like, a denim jacket and overalls, fresh off the farm. He's just, he's probably got some deer's blood on his hands, hasn't mm. washed it off. Like, this... This to me is the most entertaining Brock Lesnar that I've seen in, in quite a while. And he's so good and he's so big a star that you can't just like bury him on every show like you do with most baby faces. So to have him come out and not be stupid and go out and and stand tall at the end of a show, like how often do you get to see baby faces stand tall at the end of SmackDown? Like it just doesn't happen that often. Mm. So if Brock Lesnar is the one guy that's going to do that, that's fine with me. It means more good segments, and I like good segments. 
I really want a Von Wagner-esque man in the woods segment to be filmed (laughs) with new Brock Lesnar now. I'm I'm desperate for the continuation of the Kyle O'Reilly Von Wagner buddy comedy, but now it's just Brock Lesnar. Um, I want to see him on. I want to see him on a combine harvester. I want to see him milk a cow. I want to. Do you know what? I want to see. I want to see him shear a sheep. I want to see all sorts of Brock Lesnar. I feel (laughs) like he could be. He could be like the the beast in the woods. If uh, if you want to turn Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner's uh, workout videos into a horror film, there's just they come across Brock Lesnar hunting. You know, or maybe Brock Lesnar's the other part of the, the buddy cop film i yeah. feel like he would probably eat von Va- von wagner if they were stuck in the woods together and von wagner was what, being annoying what if brock lesnar was the man in the woods that bray wyatt was banging on about the entire time oh you know i hadn't considered oh. that oh. <laughs> i don't think so Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. We'll, we'll crack on with the rest of the show in a moment. We've got a couple of uh, Ultra Chats that have come in. Please do get your Ultra Chats in to let us know what you thought of SmackDown and of AEW Rampage because we'll be reading all of them before the end of the show. Um, just in general WWE chat, though, uh, Zoe Sung said, So I fell asleep at 8.20 Eastern. Don't worry, Tempest, I got you. Bron Breaker, the building, bla- the building block Pokemon. This Pokemon is evolved. It's the evolved form of Conkledor. Uh, this Pokemon is known for probabilities, dogs, and <laughs> rainbow backgrounds. <laughs> Probabilities. Form of Conkeldor. <laughs> Keldor. 
<laughs> uh, we always appreciate Zoe's uh, Pokedex entries for wrestlers on these shows. Oh, shout out to Braun Breaker. He's got a uh, dumb we got, name. We'll do a very quick couple of other ones. Uh, there's, this is an AEW chat. Uh, Valab Mamadipudi says, uh, the hot dog from Brian during the breaks took me out of it a bit. People who felt negatively with the match, I don't watch other wrestling. Not entirely sure. The hot dog from Brian during the breaks took me out of it a bit. People who felt negatively with the match, I don't feel, I feel don't watch other wrestling. Are we talking about uh, Brian versus Hangman here? Hangman, I would, I would imagine. Yeah. I would imagine. Which I still haven't Great. seen. I've been in London oh. for a week and I've not had a chance to really be on the internet, frankly. Yeah. Um, Hannah Great Allen match. says, you. Hannah Allen says, hey, guys, full disclosure. Thank you for just being awesome dudes. I'm throwing a hook, lads. You're so special to so many of us, and you get me through my days without complaints. So much love for every negative comment. Let me send my uh, let my love send off. And then it's uh, LIW4444 live, which I can't do in the way you guys do because I haven't practiced. But thank you so much, Hannah. That's <laughs> that's a really kind comment. Mary Painsville Dan says, hey, Laurie, hey, Tempest, hope you're doing well. Sending this in early because I don't think I told anyone yet. I am seeing Walter versus Cara Noir tonight live at WXW. Oh, Dan, you, Dan, that's, oh, man, I want to see that match. <laughs> Cara Noir is great. so good. So good. Oh, I'm actually incredibly jealous of that. Incredibly, incredibly jealous. Right, well, let's, let's, why don't we fly through SmackDown, Tempest? Because not a lot really, really happened on this. Um, it, was a, it was a show very light on your wrestling. There was a lot of backstage segments. Not many of them were very interesting or very good. Um, we started with the a recap of what happened last week with Sami Zayn. And then we saw Paul Heyman standing outside waiting for the Universal Champion to arrive. We then got Sasha Banks and Tony Storm versus Shotzi and Charlotte Flair in a, in a what I thought was pretty generic, pretty sloppy, quite boring tag match. Uh, I don't know about you. Give it a lot of time. You know, yes, I thought it was yeah. I thought it was decent enough, but I was watching this match and I swear this match was like 20 minutes at least. You know, it felt like because uh, they were in Chicago, obviously, in Chicago's big wrestling market. So it felt like they went into that and let some of these matches have a little bit more time than they would have otherwise. I mean, we got a, mm-hmm. a lengthy tag match between the War Raiders and Jinder Mahal and, and whatever the other one's name is, Shanky. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean, they were clearly letting people go out there and wrestle a little bit more than they would have otherwise. And this was one where I was like, oh, it was, I thought it was like, it was, it was decent. You know, I watched it and I was like, well, I'd rather they do this than throw pies at each other. So there's that. I don't know why Tony Storm <laughs> reacted the way that she did. Over Tempest. You have no <laughs> idea, man. Watching these shows the last few weeks has been a struggle, but. Tony Storm pinning Charlotte Flair and celebrating like she'd never beaten anybody before is kind of depressing to me because I want, mm. I don't want the baby faces to be surprised that they win. <laughs> you know, mm. I don't like that. It's not like she's, it's not like she's Fuego del Sol out here who never wins, you know? And if you get one win, that would be like, oh, wow. And I know she kind of is that way because she's booked poorly, but she shouldn't be, is my point. 
You know, no, she should be a Fuego Charlotte. Del Sol. Gotta protect Charlotte. Yeah. I think yeah, for me it was I think for me it was the fact that just like thinking like thinking back to this match I remember I remember nothing from this match frankly like it it literally just washed over me there was there was nothing remarkable or even particularly creative in a tag team contest here there were you know there wasn't particularly any any moments of even synergy between the teams really like there was there was one moment where Charlotte set something up and Shotzi went for it and she missed that was about yeah. it. Sasha had a really good hot tag, I thought, um, where she came off like did like a, a leaping arm bar and she countered Charlotte's sort of tilt a whirl thing into a sort of uh, body press. And then she hit like a set of double knees in the corner. That was quite cool. I think the rest of it just didn't hang together with pace. Um, and yeah, it, it it felt the length that they gave it. Now, we normally would say to w- that WWE don't give things <laughs> enough time. This didn't have enough to it to really fill the amount of time that it was given for my money. Um, and yeah, like you said, like Tony Storm getting the roll up on Charlotte and then being super shocked that she did, even though she's going to face her next week, just all feels a bit like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. There's going to, yeah. nothing is going to come from this. This feud just will continue until the end of time, which is what all yeah. of SmackDown felt like to me. Pretty much. <laughs> and I saw, yeah, no kidding. I saw someone on Twitter say like, oh, why are they having this match on SmackDown next week? You could have it at the pay-per-view. And then they're like, who am I kidding? This match is going to end with a non-finish and then they'll just run it back at the pay-per-view. And I'm like, yeah, they really are, aren't they? That's probably what's going to happen. And it makes mm-hmm. me less excited for the for the show next week, which I'll be, I'll be real. Don't know if I'm going to watch it next week because I've got better Christmas things to do than watch SmackDown. Holy Moses! I will. I will not watch WWE on my Christmas vacation. It's the wrong birthday, there, sure. Tempest. The wrong birthday. Um, so oh, yeah. <laughs> um, from there, we went. We went backstage. And we saw King Woods, who was uh, getting cheered by various people who had nothing better to do. Uh, Shinsuke, Boogs, Kofi, Mansoor, Ricochet, and Gulak. Uh, the Usos arrive. They try and have a little bit of banter with Woods about his cosplays. How silly are his cosplays? Um, which I just think is ridiculous when you work in a wrestling company. <laughs> it's just like, it is it is cosplay. Yeah, everyone <laughs> cosplays. It, <laughs> the, one man pretended he was a zombie for thirty years. He's only just left. It was a, what are you talking about? <laughs> His brother was a demon. What, what, you, what are you going Z? on about? Yeah, I don't know. It's just like it. It's fine. But then basically they said they were going to have a match tonight or last night uh, and then they were going to have a match at day one so they did the new day were like we're going to beat you tonight and then we're going to beat you at day one for the tag team titles and the users were like well we're going to beat you tonight and then we're going to beat you at day one to keep the tag team titles which is you're giving the game away with the fact that you're just having the same match all the time and you know when it's just the case of like I think the Usos and the New Day, they have a good match. They they always have a good match. They they, they have between uh-huh. good and exceptional matches every single time they go to the ring. However, we've seen it so much now. There is just not really much more to it. And the Usos are kind of floundering in this weird middle ground where they they keep losing on TV, but it's not advancing their story. Like it's not really playing into the Roman stuff. He's just overlooking yeah. it and like fine but it it should be their losses should mean more than probably most other losses in the thing because they have a they're a tag team that also factor into the main event scene 
So for yeah. me, it was this. It just feels a bit of a shame for this to kind of we've just gone back to the well almost immediately. As soon as the Usos and the New Day are back on the same same on the same brand, we have just gone straight back to the status quo from a few years ago, um, which is a shame because I think the Usos are awesome and I think the New Day are awesome and they have incredible matches. But there was just there's nothing to this story. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of disappointing because, I mean, you look at something like this and, you know, it, it it's not quite to the level of like a John Cena and Randy Orton where they just kept doing it and everybody hated it. Like nobody hates the Usos in the New Day, but at the same time, when you're doing long-term storytelling, you need to give them a different reason to be wrestling and a new mm-hmm. way to make the matches feel different than they were. And I don't feel like they've done that. Like WWE matches are, are really formulaic as is. So you really need to have something different if it's going to be the exact same people or the exact same teams if you're just running it back like that. And I don't really think that they've done that because these matches aren't playing into the main event storyline like the Usos matches earlier in the year were. You know, when the Usos were taking the tag titles from the Mysterios and they were wrestling whoever and Jey Uso was by himself. All those matches felt important because Roman Reigns and everything, that that was the focus of the story. But Roman Reigns' attention has been on Paul Heyman in the story, you know, basically since SummerSlam. And the Usos have just kind of felt a little bit unimportant. And that is mm. further exemplified by them continuously losing to the New yeah. Day and being and tag champions. They are the top faction on SmackDown. Yeah. Like the Bloodline is the top faction. They shouldn't be losing. There's no need for no. them to be losing because you're not taking the belts off them anytime soon. Unless you, you know, and if you do take the belts on them, it should be a slow build to do that. And it should be really meaningful. It shouldn't just be yeah. Woods. Like, you know, like if Woods and Kofi win on day one, that's great. Like I think Woods and Kofi are good tag team champions. They're solid set. They're a solid pair of hands, but there's got to be more to it than just, well, you know, yeah. we beat you once last week and now we've done it now. So, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Deal with that. I, yeah. I want this to feel bigger than just hot potatoing the tag titles around because they don't mean anything. Like this would have mm-hmm. been such a good a good chance to go and actually make the tag titles mean a little bit more because you're putting it into an act that means something already. You just treat the tag titles and everything else like a major part of this story and you'll get people to care. And I just don't think they're doing that. You know, and I think beating the Usos in the three way tag match that they did last week was like that was borderline because, all right, at least it's a three way tag. You can kind of finagle your way around there. This week, they just lost. They're just the worst team. They just they just didn't do well. And also, like, I think this is the thing, like we're going to those titles are going to change hands on day one. Do you know why? Because it's a new year. It's a new day. Yes, it's it is. It's a new day. That, that's, that, that, is, that is exactly why they will change hands, because that is a thing they can say on commentary. And yeah. also, it's nice to have a title change on, on a show. So they will just do that. I bet you. Bet you, bet you, bet you. Um, yeah. we, then, we, we then got a recap of Zia Lee coming in and kicking the hell out of Baszler, DeVille and Natty last week. Uh, Natalia then cut a promo saying that if Zia Lee steps up to her again, she's the one who's going to need a protector. So Natty's going to get a face kicked in pretty soon, I imagine. <laughs> um, that's completely fine. We got a recap of um, Bobby Lashley from Raw. We then got the Viking Raiders versus Jinder Mahal and, Shun- uh, and Shanky. Um, this just made me really miss the War Raiders, this match. 
I've yeah. not really been plugged into what the Viking Raiders are up to for a while, and this just made me really miss it. It was this was such a formulaic, boring tag match. This was this was who's the smallest guy in the ring because he's going to get beaten up the most until we can tag the other big yeah. guy into the ring, and then he's going to do a hot tag. Oh look, he did a cartwheel. Then he picked up his mate. End of the thing. Yeah. That's the match. It was, and it went, and this went long as well. And it's like they, I, I said in the review um, on on Wrestle Talk on the Wrestle Talk News Channel earlier today that the Viking Raiders feel like they are operating at twenty percent of their potential in yeah. WWE. Um, they are literally incredible performers, and they are being forced into one. Characters that aren't characters, like the the Viking thing, was always just a. It was like the sprinkle on top of who the War Raiders were in NXT, yeah. and here it's their whole personality. You can only be it. You can only be a, a Viking, uh, and they don't really. They don't want for anything. They don't perform. They don't do half the moves that they actually have in their arsenal. Um, Eric is just getting worked over in most matches because he's smaller. <laughs> um, so like it, it just felt. This felt. Sh- stupid and a waste of everyone's time yeah this kind of felt like you know there were there was a period of time where i would go and see like wwe house shows when they'd come to town and there'd be like second match on the card tag match with a bunch of people that aren't over and it just you just kind of see it and it's just like uh, okay just kind of waiting for it to be over like at one point they did like on a on a house show they did like tons of funk versus three mb and i'm just like I don't care about any of the people in this match. So I'm just watching some wrestling. And that's what this felt like. It was too long to be like a squash, but there also mm. wasn't any sort of character moments to latch on to because I don't care about Jinder Mahal. I don't care about Shanky. I don't care about the, the Viking War Machine Raiders, you know, and I should. I really should because they're great. You know, I've seen, yeah. I saw War Machine in the main event of a Ring of Honor pay per view once, and it was incredible. They were doing like Swanton bombs off the top rope and stuff to the floor, like this yeah. craziness. You know, I know they're so good, and that's that's fine. You know, it's just nah, it's 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 it is what it is. And I miss it's just, the, it's... the War Raiders, but it's I know how the game is played in WWE, and they're they seem to be fairly content with waiting and doing this during a commercial break for like five minutes because they, they're clearly standing in the ring just going war war yeah well no you war. can't say war you can't say war tempest they not say war. i don't know what they're saying I don't know. <laughs> they're probably just going <laughs> it's it yeah it's i think it's, it's it is just a shame i think and it's just yeah. it's one of those things where this yeah this didn't progress anything it's nice that there are two more tag teams in a smackdown in the in the in the mix on SmackDown, but like, what are you going to do with them? I want to I want to yeah. see that because do you know what? Like at least Veer and Chanky versus the Usos or uh, the Viking Raiders versus the Usos is a fairly fresh match. So like, let's do that yeah. rather than the New Day thing. Like, I know the New Day are much bigger, but you need to be building these other stars as you go anyway. Yeah. So it would make yeah. sense. Um, why, we then got a recap of like. A really fun tag feud between the War Raiders and the Usos. Like those matches mm. would be good. Like there's opportunity here, and I just don't think they're doing them. Well, exactly. And the War Raiders at their cut. Sorry, the Viking Raiders at their current position in SmackDown can lose without you having to 
give the win to the New Day or whatever. Yeah. Like the, the Usos can pick up some wins, which they could really do with to make them feel yeah. like a, a legitimate team. Um, <sighs> <laughs> we then got a, we then got a recap of Drew McIntyre slamming his sword into Adam Pearce's table. Look at this! Ca- his camera's gone mental. Um, <laughs> he's got slamming his sword into the table, um, and then. Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss now have the sword. Heyman then has his little interaction with Brock Lesnar that we already spoke about. Um, and then we got Happy Talk, which could get in the sea as far as I'm concerned. It was the most... What a waste of time. Like, the, the talking segments in WWE are some of the worst segments that have ever existed, as far as yeah. I'm concerned, anyway. And this really, really, really exceeded expectations as a as a terrible segment because... It felt like it was, I don't know, like I said in the review, that I don't think you should be booing the heels because it feels like they're actually stealing minutes of your life. It should be because they're saying things that are kind of snide and snipey and, you you know, they're, they're, they're taking the mick out of people that you dislike. I think like someone like a Miz or an MGF do a really good job of getting under your skin in that way. Like, you know, it's it's about kind of playing the crowd, not just annoying the crowd into booing and this really felt like attempting to annoy the crowd into booing them really really dislike this um the whole pulling the sword from the table thing was too long wasn't funny didn't land drew comes out pulls the sword out of the table and takes a big swing at corbin great if if no one is getting impaled on this show why is there a sword (laughs) You know, that's, I, yeah, I finally it. reached the, the great point with this sword, you know? It's like, what is yeah. the point of this sword if no one is going to get stabbed at some point? And I don't want murder <laughs> in my wrestling, but do a cinematic match where someone gets impaled or something like that. I don't know. If anybody on this show actually had a sense of humor, the first shot of this stupid sword in the desk backstage would have been like a headset around it. No explanation, mm. but someone would be like, eh, it's Excalibur. Yeah, it's, I mean... it's just, Like, I don't know, I just want, like, someone to just... I want to be able to watch SmackDown and go, eh, that's funny. You know, and I never do that. And I do that a lot in AEW. <laughs> so it's just like, I don't know. It's whatever. I want to know who Baron Corbin is blackmailing to get on every single show mm. ricochet's not on every show mustafa ali couldn't get on this show in his hometown <clears throat> like what <laughs> why do we have to have happy corbin and mad cat moss on every single show they're the ones that's like well we got to figure out what the what the happy corbin segment is you know we got to figure that mm. into the show it's like but you don't this guy does not need to be on every show. I don't think but Happy Corbin should be on TV at all. Let alone I, every single show. See, I disagree with that. I think I think Happy Corbin has his place. Uh I don't think necessarily it's long talking segments. I, I get I get the sense I get whose sense of humor he's appealing to, the kind of yeah. Him kind of being the oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a I'm a rich guy and I'm I'm kind of like a heel and ha 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 and then he's got this crazy jacked up coke snorting mate or whatever whatever <laughs> madcap whatever he's got going on I don't like, know what a madcap moss is <laughs> no neither do I and it's just it's meant to be it's just Vince's exactly Vince's goofy crap 
sense of humor yeah. it's just what it is it's just, and that's a, and that's just a shame because i do actually think like if anyone has earned the right to be on tv sometimes it is corbin he has gone through he's done everything they've thrown at him and he's done it without complaint so yeah, he's well done soldier. to that man and and he was he was always you know i thought he was always a very competent guy he had it bad because he didn't they didn't like his tummy his little tummy <laughs> and then here we are you know like yeah um, i mean like he was fun when he was doing the the broke baron corbin thing you yeah. know it's like he can do good things as long as the writing isn't terrible but like what's the point of any of these segments anymore it's yeah. just they they schedule in happy talk and they come out and they cut stupid jokes that aren't funny and they're just annoying and it just takes up time and it never builds to any matches. What well, is any of this will... building to? Oh my well, lord! I can I can tell you what it's building to. Uh, well, I won't tell you because that's a spoiler for next week's show. Uh, but yeah. I have seen that it is going somewhere. But they did tease later that uh, yeah, Mad Cat Moss too. is going to take on Drew McIntyre uh, on next week's show. I don't think that's what's happened, but uh, that is what they have said so far. Um, Sammy Sammy Zayn then arrives backstage to demand another universal title shot. There's a funny little line where he says his lawyer, I mean his doctor, says he doesn't need the neck brace <laughs> or the wheelchair anymore. Sammy's really great. Um, they say that instead of that, he likes the. Inter they're like, hey, you know, you know about the universal title, but you like the intercontinental title, don't you, Sammy? You love the intercontinental title. And he was like, oh yeah, I forgot the thing, the much bigger prize that I want. Fine, the intercontinental title. And they're like, well, you're going in the twelve days of Christmas gauntlet. Later in the show, it was announced that the twelve days of Christmas gauntlet is Gulak, Mansoor, Cesaro, Ricochet, Jinder, Shanky, Eric, Ivar, Sheamus, Sami Zayn, Angel Garza, and Umberto Carrillo, all in a gauntlet match. The winner of that match against 12 dudes gets to take on Shinsuke Nakamura for the Intercontinental title. I Fine. feel kind of... You came up with a name and you booked it. a match about it. Yeah. It's like, we need a Christmas match. What mm. We've already got a Miracle on 34th Street fight. All right, what's another one we can do? 12 days of Christmas gauntlet match? All right, book it. Boom. I, I, I... In theory, this match could be really good. You know? But mm. I also am like, I would rather do anything else other than watching Jinder Mahal versus Angel Garza on Christmas Eve. You know, like, yeah, mm. if, if you just have Sami Zayn somehow beat 11 guys, whatever. I was just like, well, that's preposterous. But sure, I'm with you. That sounds fun. Sami Zayn's great. But I also, it's just like, you look at the people, and it's like, you have to imagine that any of these matches could be like just something that any combination could be a match we'd see on SmackDown. It's like, man, I really can't wait for Ivar versus Shanky. Yeah, and this is the thing. So like normal match that. Like the best Gauntlet matches that WWE ever do are when one babyface against the odds sort of battles their way through uh, yeah. multiple people to inevitably get an RKO from Randy Orton. Um, yep. However. 12 people is so many people to do individual one-on-one -on -one matches, which means like half of them are going to be 30 second roll-ups, which, you know, yeah. when, when you've then, but when you've then baked in the idea that like someone has to make like half an entrance and run down to the ring and all that stuff, the, the pacing of this thing is going to be a monster. It's going to be awful. Yeah. Um, but you know, there are some good people in there. I'm hoping, I really, really hope that, uh, you know, certain people get a chance to shine. Like Ricochet is someone that I could yeah. see 
I'd love to see Ricochet take on like six people in this match and really get like good fire behind him before you inevitably have Sami Zayn or whoever you've decided beat him and then get the match. I think Sami Zayn should be the one. I think they're pushing yeah, Sami Zayn quite hard at the moment. Um, there's all the talk, obviously, of Sami Zayn's contract being up, and the, you know these could be ways in which you try to woo Sami back to WWE. Um, so. We will see, I guess. Um, we then got Rich Holland versus Cesaro uh, with Sheamus in Rich Holland's corner. His beef crisps in his pocket. Uh, out comes Ridge. He hits Cesaro in the ribs with his little billy club when the ref isn't looking because Sheamus has distracted him. Then we cut to the break. We come back and Cesaro is taped up and he's going, I got it, I got it, I got it. And he gets in the ring and then he gets worked over for a sort of sloppy five minutes. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then uh, just as he's firing back up, he gets distracted by Sheamus on the outside, poked in the ribs again, and then just a power slam. A power yeah. slam. Not even a, not even a, an impressive one, Tempest. No, no, I don't know <laughs> what's happening. Remember when Cesaro was getting a main event push this year? That was this mm. year. You know, they've really done nothing with him since. Like, no. oh, Lord almighty. I don't understand what's happening with this storyline. Like, no one can beat another consistently. Cesaro, I think, got a win in it a couple weeks ago. But, like, Cesaro and Sheamus and Ridge Holland, they're just, like, trading wins with each other. And I don't know what the point of any of this is. It doesn't feel like we're getting, like, Ridge Holland and Sheamus as a tag team. And we're not getting any sort of, like, mentor, let's go train in the woods style vignettes here. So, no. like, really, what is the point? You know, it's just well, another we're just way to get Ridge Holland on TV. We're going to build to another bar fight, I think. Oh, Bring that yes. back, you know. Yes, we That's need more we bar see. fights in wrestling. Goodness Someone's me. just yes. Someone's just said in the chat they should reopen the bar. Yes, great minds. The bar. We are the um, bar. Oh. I Like, yeah. the bar were great. That that history's yeah. not really playing into this too much, and it's it is just it just feels this feels like a waste of the two other talents in there because yeah, Ridge just feels a bit green at the moment, and th this was a bit clumsy and a bit overbooked, frankly. Like <laughs> you knew where it was yeah, going, so the, the, you knew it was going the second it started with a shot in the ribs, frankly, and yeah. it was it you know I don't know. And like stop booking baby faces to get distracted all the time. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm kind of over the distraction finish at this point. Like, mm. it makes your baby faces look dumb. People don't want to boo a dumb baby face. Stop making your baby faces look dumb. Baby faces should be smart. Distractions and roll ups can just yeah. do one, in Get my in opinion. Like, yeah. WWE uses them, has overused them far too much uh, in the last definitely in the last year of TV, like it, it, you can't move for these things. And it's just, yeah, it does just make the matches. Decade. Well, in the decade. Yeah. But I think in the last yeah. year, it's just every week, it's like three, yeah. three of one, two of the other. Um, we then got Naomi coming out to what, well, sorry, we saw Drew backstage looking for happy Corbin and mad cat Moss. He had a fancy hat on. Uh, we then got a Naomi promo. <laughs> um, she came out and said that uh, Sonya Deville dodged her last week. She's written a little Christmas list as she does every year. And there's only one thing on it a match with Sonia Deville. She then demands that Sonia comes out for the match. Sonia says, no, no, that's very unprofessional of you. When I'm wearing a suit, you will respect my authority. And then she uh, says she has lined up a match for her instead. And it's Shayna Baszler. Um, but Deville tries to start a fight with Naomi. Baszler attacks from behind, goes for the leg. Then Deville calls for the, calls for the bell. Then Baszler goes for a submission. 
and then Naomi gets the roll up. And then Naomi walks out past Deville without anything really happening. And we've wasted Shayna Baszler again. Good, good stuff. I was good to say. stuff. Good, Who good does stuff. This no, that's benefit? crazy. Not putting Who that does on. This benefit. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Oh, goodness me. I'm so done with the whole Naomi Sony Deville thing. It's been four months. <laughs> give me something like i feel like we're getting close where we gotta have the match but every time i think of that they just do the same thing they just do the same it's been the same segment for four months yeah and i think this different. is the problem isn't it it's like deville's deville's return to the ring has been so prolonged now that i don't think they know what manner in which to bring her back anymore. I think because like, you know, like Fightful was saying that graphics have been made up for her being in the money in the ba- the women's money in the bank match and stuff like that. So like she was clearly slated to return at a different time and then sure. in bigger circumstances as well. Um And yeah, now they're just sort of, I, I think they're now too scared to just pull the trigger on it. Seemingly they want it to feel like it's a big moment when Sonya Deville is going to step back into the ring, but the way in which they're going about doing it, Obviously involves throwing a load of other women under the bus. <laughs> because yeah. Natty's got to, Natty's got to go down to Zia Lee. Baszler's got to go down to Naomi. It's like just put Sonya back in the ring, please. Like yeah. no one is. I don't think anyone is that desperate for Sonya Deville to get back in the ring in such a huge manner that it has to be like we, we're saving it for best. Like saving it for best. Like we're never going to eat it. Like you know what I mean. Like just <laughs> just pull the bandaid off. Put her back in the ring and then build the story from there. Don't don't waste other people chucking them in under this storyline. Because you know, like I feel like Baszler was saying when when her and then when her team with Nia Jax broke up a little bit earlier this year, she was saying, "Oh, cool, like I'm going to go off and do something else now, and we'll see what that is." And this is what, and I'm going to SmackDown as well, where I might get used better. Look what's happened. Look what's happened. Surprise. What a shame. Brilliant stuff. Um, we then saw we then saw Happy and Madcap Moss hiding in the cupboards. Uh, we then got uh, the New Day versus the Usos in the only good match on the show, really, um, as you would expect from the New Day and the Usos. This this had a lot of fun little bits in it. Uh, Woods got a crazy good hot tag where he hit a huge leg drop. He I wrote he was literally busting his ass out there because it looked, it looked like his tail. He jumped so high to do this leg drop, yeah. and you could just oh. see the moment as he landed. The moment of regret was just like, yeah, yeah. I imagine that that caned my friend. I imagine that really hurt. Um, yeah. uh, and then yeah, then, but then so weirdly, this match was built around the the key bit of story in this match was early on the referee misses a tag on the New Day side of things, stopping Woods getting in to make the save for Kofi. Kofi then ends up in a prolonged beatdown segment with the Usos. Woods gets his hot tag. Uh, some other stuff happens, and then the ref misses a tag between the Usos. Uh, and then as that argument kind of unfolds, uh, Jimmy turns round right into a trouble in paradise, and Kofi picks up the win. So you've given both teams... You're giving both teams ammunition in the sort of it wasn't a real win, blah, 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 kind of argument. Just going to turn this light on, see if that fixes things. Does it? Hey, that's better. Not bad. It's gone dark at 3.45 here. So, (laughs) hey, welcome to Manchester. We don't have light. Um, So, yeah, it's... uh, 
it was just I just thought this was a weird bit of booking, right? Like this is just is this just so they have something to talk about next week before day one? Possibly. Possibly. That would be my guess, you know. Mm. I don't know what the plan is for I guess I could just look at the spoilers if I'm not gonna watch the show, but I don't wanna do that. That that that's cheating. You know, I don't wanna get the answers to the test. But mm. I don't know. I don't know where the where the direction is next week for all this. And it's this again doesn't feel like the enough of a change to make me care about this match once, let alone watch it again. You know, just, I don't know. Like I said before, the Usos were just like the worst team of the two and they're the champions. And I would much rather have seen the new day face a tag team and the Usos face a tag team and have both of them win and be like, Hey man, you know how this is, you know, we've been doing this a long time. We're a great couple yeah. of tag teams you know, just like make it feel big. Like this should feel like two old classic rivals finally coming back together. And it just kind of feels like, yeah, well, we're the only two tag teams on this show that matter. So we're going to wrestle. Yeah, exactly. Like if you were going to, if you were just going to have uh, Jinder and Shanky lose anyway, why didn't they just yeah. lose to the Usos? And why didn't New yeah. Day just beat, beat the Vikings? Like, because the Vikings, the Vikings aren't going to suddenly, after day one, like be like, "Whoop, here you go, here's your guys to take on the next tag team champs." It's like that's not happening. They're, they're just, no. they're just there to be on TV for a bit and fill some time. Oh, uh, well. So it's ultimately, good match, though, it was just yeah, like, this it yeah. was good, but we've seen it before. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. just, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I sometimes I, I don't do... want to watch a rerun. You know, mm. it'll be a good rerun, but I don't want to watch a rerun. I want something new. Yeah, I, I just for me this SmackDown really felt like walking in place, right? It, it, yeah, nothing, nothing is happening outside of the main event scene, and the main event scene is a scene that we've also had a couple of times already. Um, yeah, you know, in this in this incarnation, yeah. not even not not excluded. That's excluding all the Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar history that we've had in WWE. We are just going through the motions of the same sort of storylines over and over again. At least the Roman stuff has the writing to make it feel fresh. The other bits of it just don't quite match up. And you know, this this show really did feel like kind of quite lazy wrestling with very yeah. boring story going on around it, which is a massive shame. Because yeah, the, you can when when the show has something on it at the end of it that you you see how good they can be. It's a real shame to get the rest of it. Um, but we should probably switch over and talk about Rampage now. Do you want to yeah. take us through it, Tempest? Sure. Want we, to review it? I know. Lucky me. And we do typically have uh, another another little bit of branding that we can use again because. Yeah, Rampage. Yeah. Rampage, because we don't have the Beer 52 logo to worry about anymore. Yes, so Rampage, of course, started with the big eight-man tag team match with the Super Click and Bobby Fish taking on the best friends, Orange Cassidy and Rocky Romero. This was a very fun match. You get a lot of the kind of Super Click spots that you are familiar with at this point. There was a lot of teasing of the, the big running kiss spot on the cheek for Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. And uh, Orange Cassidy went in and, and gave a big thumbs up to Adam Cole. They're building their big match. We found out that that match is going to be taking place next week. So that's very exciting. Bobby Fish hit a really big uh, Falcon Arrow off the top rope. 
That was really cool. And Trent Beretta got a lot of uh, interplay in this match. We got a lot of Rapongi Vice stuff with him and Rocky Romero. Mm -hmm. And then stuff with him and Chuck Taylor. Now that the best friends are racked together as a team. And then he was able to get the pin hitting Storm Zero on Bobby Fish for the win. I really enjoyed this match. There's a lot to be excited about with these two factions right now. Yeah, I think this this had like as a show opener, this had all the energy that you kind of want from something that's just like, hey, look, here's some really great wrestling. Here, here's just yeah. a bunch of guys, and they, I feel like this was also like this was way more over the top than it ever needed to be. Like there were so <laughs> many crazy dives and and spots, and like they just had. I think they just did a they had a really good balance between quite serious, uh, good wrestling with great moments and all the kind of fun you would expect from the kind of best friend side of that. Like, you know, that the whole bit where they kept trying to stop orange from putting his hands in his pockets and then he pops up onto into the old school to do it. Uh, and then does his whole like hands in pocket spot. Oh, chef's kiss. Love that. Um, yeah. and yeah, like Trent kind of, I guess like the, the the through line for this was Trent's almost being kept out of the match for a lot of it. Like yeah. Trent was the one who was power bombed onto the apron early on. He was attacked in sort of the surgically repaired neck and stuff like that. Like there was this real kind of um, build to the moment, and they really earned the hot tag that he gets at that like crucial moment to kind of come in and and turn the tide for his team. Um, and yeah. Then you get the big kind of best friends hug to just top that off right there. It was just like they knew exactly what they needed it to be. Um, and they had all yep. the fun little moments. They, they, you know, I think this was kind of eight guys who knew what they wanted to give the fans. They knew the way to structure a match that was exciting, had the slow moments when they needed the slow moments, had the moments that were just fan service when they needed fan service. This was quality. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, this this to me, there's always and it seems to be the matches that involve the elite, but they there's always like a PWG esque fun party match where they go out there and they have a big six or eight man tag and it's just wackiness and lots of big dives and you get fun you know sports entertainment e spots with guys like Orange Cassidy and or and Adam Cole and guys like that. And I do like that because it's variety on these shows. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily need that to be every match because it would get no. played out. But if you have that be the opening match and allow things to be different in the other matches, I think that's perfectly fine. I think that's perfectly fine. And these are guys, these guys are the best in the world at doing that kind of style. You know, so getting to see them do their style of match and then getting to switch over and watch something else, that that's pretty good with me. And this is a really fun way to open up the show. And I think also, yeah, they don't get lost in the kind of the overbooking of it, I guess, necessarily like, you know, the the who can win this and who can't win this and blah, 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 blah. Like here, Bobby Fish was the perfect fall guy. So they were just like, okay, yep. well, he takes that and then that Fish takes the finisher and then we get to kind of end on the nice hug and the nice moment. And it's not also, they, they resisted the urge that they have later in the show <laughs> to just overbook the finish, which was, this yeah. was nice. It was like, you got the hug. That's the thing people wanted to see. There we go. Let's move on. We then saw Dan Lambert and Scorpius Guy and Ethan Page. What do you think about that, Tempest? I, it's tough. Like, I know that Dan Lambert does a good job with his promos. You know, he cuts good promos. Nothing about any of this makes me excited, though. 
you know, and I don't know if that's just because he's backing up men of the year and I'm still not like super impressed by men of the year, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I'm not, I don't get excited when I see Dan Lambert on my screen. And there was a lot of guys involved in this segment in particular, because he comes out there and he talks about Tony Khan, man. And he's, he's upset that Cody Rhodes is getting a TNT title shot instead of one of his guys, even though Ethan page has already lost a TNT title shot and stuff like that. It's whatever. And he cuts this promo and then Cody Rhodes does his long elaborate entrance to come out and interrupt him. And they swipe the mic from each other like six times. They just take the mic out of each other's hands and it never like builds to an actual promo from Cody Rhodes. He just tosses the mic at Scorpio sky and then they all fight. And then Dustin Rhodes comes out. He, he gets in the fight and then Sammy Guevara comes out and he's the one that goes and, and has the big clear the ring moment. And I'm not super into any of these guys right now, I think is the problem. You know, like Cody Rhodes, I think has a lot of potential for a really interesting storyline. But if he's just coming out and being like the baby face of the segment, I don't think Mm. that works. Even though they're still booing him after that table spot, like they're just never going to cheer him again. That's 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 fine. It's a little bit harsh, but that's that's fine. And I'm not, I'm still not super into the Sammy Guevara TNT title run, you know? So when that's the big buildup of this segment, I'm just like, ah, sometimes there are just segments that don't have the really interesting dynamic performers in them. Like, you know, not everything can be CM Punk and MJF where I'm locked in. I'm super interested to every word, every move. This just feels like a bunch of guys where I'm not, not super into it right now. Yeah, I feel like um, Dan Lambert. Dan Lambert to me is one of those people who I think I agree with you when when you said that you know he he's good on the mic. That's yeah. that's kind of and I think his I think his brand of kind of heel promo is working, and I think people like dislike him for the right reasons. Not he's not got go away. He he's got the right kind of like people enjoy getting involved in the stuff that he's saying and the way that he's doing it. I think him advocating for the men of the year maybe doesn't, maybe, you know, yeah. I, can, I can feel that too. I don't really feel, I feel like they're kind of end up being nothingy characters because Dan Lambert's taking all of the, the kind of the heat right. here, really. Um, then you've got, um, then this segment kind of, then this, this segment took the nosedive with Cody coming out. So like Lambert was building up momentum and steam as he was doing this promo and it was kind of going somewhere. And then Cody's music hits, which one, it's so melodramatic. It's so overblown. <laughs> like he gets the full, like rising up from the floor and the, the stage lifting up entrance. Like it just, it, it killed the momentum of where the promo had been. To then have Cody sort of wander down and then do the the mic snatch spot with Lambert, which Lambert didn't really feel like he was he didn't really have the acting chops to pull off, um, and then yeah to to sort of go into this big dummy dummy beatdown. Like, do you know what I mean? This yeah. is this was if you're Cody Rhodes, you're thick as bricks because one, you put yourself through a big flaming table for no reason, you <laughs> and two, you try to take on three dudes on your own, like. It, that's just it doesn't make sense it's not that's not smart as a you're not a clever yeah. baby face to do that are you like and so to me it was just like well this as soon as cody got involved in this i was like oh man like this was just this was too much and like hopefully if this all builds to a heel turn where cody Rhodes like this big long entrance thing kind of works if 
if it's there to annoy you. Yeah, you know if what he's I mean? a prick if like, about it. If he's taking ages for the sake of like lapping it up. He was at least wearing all black, so you know, like he, the, the signs are there. Um, but yeah, this is for me. I was just, I was just not into this bit. And then Dustin running down kind of was fine. And then Sammy running down. That was Sammy running down was at least the most interesting bit after yeah. Cody entered the ring for me because like it adds some drama to the Sammy. Cody thing, which I'm not hyped for, um, but I'm more hyped for the idea that Cody might turn heel than I am for the match. If you know what I mean, like, yeah, I at least want to see. I just, I just want to see something happen with Cody that reflects what is being thrown at him every week he comes out. Because, like, it feels like I don't know. Like, it needs to be acknowledged that what is happening to what is happening around Cody is. Uh, completely different from the presentation of the character and i just yeah i do want to see that kind of um you know you you want to play off the idea that fine he still thinks he's a face but he should at least know that he's a heel like there there needs to be a wink there somewhere you know yeah and i feel like we've gotten that most weeks you know like with the golden shovel and everything like that you know that has been his character through the malachi black feud this was the week where I was just like, oh, he's just playing the role of the babyface in this segment. Like, it didn't mm-hmm. feel self-aware anymore. And I need that level of self-awareness in order for me to care about the character. Because otherwise, it's not a very interesting character. So, I don't know. It, it was what it was. <laughs> but it was what yeah, it was. Well, I, I'm not super into it. but it's, it's, uh, it, gave you, it gave you a small, I think the small moment between Sammy saving Cody at the end and being like, I got you like gives you at least something to get some hooks into when those two eventually face off. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there was at least something there and it's building in a direction. So you, you, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that something comes of it. And it's not, this is not just brushed under the carpet when the, the eventual match happens. Uh, we then got a TBS championship tournament recap, um, which was completely fine. I just, I just the only reason I've made a note of it is because uh, I just really enjoyed Nyla Rose going. I'll tell you where your destination is <laughs> in the goddamn trash. <laughs> That's great. That's so good. I was I was expecting anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting it to make sense, you know. Like I was expecting it yeah. to be like I don't know the bottom of the pile, the you know somewhere that's a destination, but the goddamn trash. Beautiful. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness me. And then and then we got the submission match, which I kind of felt two ways about, you know, because it was uh, it was Ty Conti against uh, Penelope Ford. And submission matches are really tough to have on TV anyway, because like you take out all of the near falls. There are no near falls and near falls are, you know, a really big part of American wrestling. You know, you got to get people into those near falls and there just aren't any anymore. So you Mm. really got to work with the submission aspect of things. And they did that. There were some good near submissions where people kind of got into it. But I don't know. It just uh, it felt like the, the least important match on the show. And unfortunately, a lot of the time that was the women's match, you know, on Rampage where you know, Ty Conti and Anna Jay seem to have been feuding with the Bunny and Penelope Ford for like three or four months now. And, you know, I'm kind of kind of over that. 
You know, I kind of want to see mm. them move on to something else. But this this match, this match is still it was all right. It was a solid all right. You know, I'll give them the credit for for what they were able to do here. But I actually really enjoyed this match. Um, uh-huh. I kind of wish it was because because it came out. It had it like obviously Rampage is not a long show. Like it didn't have loads of. It wasn't given loads and loads of time. Um, right. It could have done with being like the pacing could have done with being a little bit like having five more minutes and being a little bit slower to like yeah. sort of build in the devastation of these submissions. Instead, they were trading submissions and setting them up so quickly and getting out of them so quickly that they kind of lost the impact. I also feel like um, the kind of psychology of the match got lost somewhere in there that like seeing, seeing them kind of, I, I like in submission matches that you kind of get where people pick a limb and they go for that limb. And that's kind right. of like, you know, like, I'm going for your arm, but you're going for my leg. So like I'm I'm weakened in the grapple, but you're hobbled in the running. Like uh-huh. there wasn't really that psychology going on here. It was much more just a regular kind of bout, and then they would turn a lot of things into submission, which I still think is clever, and I think really shows like plays to sort of Ty Conti's strengths as well as uh, as as a judo, as a judoka. Like it's got that kind of feel to it but i think it could have almost done with slowing right down for a bit of it and really feeling like a kind of martial arts com contest for a while and then you build the wrestling into it slowly over time and then you, you gotta go crazy right towards the end but there was some really creative stuff in here that was really really fun i enjoyed the sort of uh they climbed up to the turnbuckle looking like they were going to do a bigger move and Ty flips over. Then she ends up sort of in this backpack dragon sleeper, which I thought was really fun. Um, Ford hits a springboard cutter and then holds on in this kind of wicked cravat. I thought that was just really, really inventive and cool. Um, I even like the finish where sort of Ford comes in and tries to do the sort of wheelbarrow um, into a face buster type thing. And uh, Ty manages to sort of reverse this into this, crazy choke where she puts her shin behind her neck and then brings uh-huh. her arms around the front to really like squeeze the life out of her i thought like for what it was um it just had a very interesting style for a submission match like they, they went for really kind of out there submission maneuvers um which might be kind of what maybe makes it not flow so well but i thought it it gave it this kind of really interesting edge but yeah i I guess in my head um having like when when people have a really defined submission finisher that's Uh when submission matches truly work because you know what's dangerous then right you've spent years seeing the thing like you know we know the sharpshooter hurts in wrestling parlance like we know the figure four is dangerous we know the labelle lock is is brutal like when people have that to kind of build on then you've got a bit more whereas i feel like neither Ford nor Conti are necessarily known for their submission as much as they are known for just general wrestling matches. So this was really good and really inventive, but um, given a little bit more time to build into with the submission side of things, it could have been really amazing. And I, I hope they go, but I hope they revisit this with the women. Cause I think this was really cool. Uh, she gets clocked to the end though, doesn't she? Cause the bunny rushes in and knocks her out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Anna Jay makes the save with the chair. Um, fine like this is good this is going to continue so yeah. there you go they're destined to do this forever it seems yeah no no i thought i thought the match was still was still pretty decent and i do like that even if 
even if the submission match concept is a little bit of a detraction from a possible match here, it still allows for variety, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think variety is one of the big benefits of AEW where just everything that they do feels different from one another. And this match was another example of that. Even if some of, not all of it worked, but I think they still did a really good job with what they had. So it still gets a mild thumbs up, but a thumbs up nonetheless. What was next, Tempest? I mean, we've got the main event left. We've got a mm-hmm. bunch of announcements for, for next week. We've got various matches coming. They kind of just announced a bunch of matches that they've been they've been building up to for a long time. Like CM Punk, MJF, uh, they're doing their six-man tag. Punk, Sting, and Darby Allen against FTR and... Uh, and MJF is going to be on Dynamite next week. That's very exciting. You know, CM Punk wants to, to team with Sting. That's very important. And now he's he's getting to do that. So happy Phil. We're getting Cody Rhodes and, uh, and Sammy Guevara on Christmas Day. That should be really fun. We're getting Adam Cole and, and Orange Cassidy next week. That should be really fun. There's just a lot to look forward to. And I'm really excited for the week that'll be. And then we got the main event, 10-man tag team matches, Eddie Kingston, the Lucha Brothers, Santana and Ortiz, take, uh, took on 2.0, Daniel Garcia and the Acclaimed. This match, of course, started with a big brawl. And I'll be honest, I kind of like lost track of this match uh, right off the right off the bat because I get in the ring and the bell rings. And I was like, was there a DQ or a count out? And I was like, oh, wait, the match hasn't started because they were just brawling mm. for like a long time. Yeah, because they ran out to interrupt Caster as he was doing his uh, he was doing his rap, and they ran out and and stopped it just as he, just as he would get into the punchlines. But uh, yeah, I thought that was that was fun. I really enjoyed also the the little interview beforehand with Mark Henry, where uh, Kingston just walked off. <laughs> Two point started like firing off, and Kingston was like walked off, and then just came back and be like, "Are you done? Cool, let's re- play the music. We're going out. Bye. Say the <laughs> thing, Mark. That's good stuff. That's great character work from Kingston." Yeah. Um, but also, the match Hook is... is wrestling next week. I forgot to mention that. Hook is wrestling Bear mm. Bronson. I can never forget about Hook. Send Hook, Hook is wrestling a bear. Yeah, he's wrestling a bear. It'll be a different kind of of, of Hook match. I'm really, like, <laughs> really looking forward to it. It's going to be so fun. But, yeah, I think it'll yeah, be really I mean, interesting to see. Uh, as far as this match goes, you know, we got all the kind of interplay that you would expect. We got lots of big dives and high spots for the Lucha Brothers and there wasn't as much play between them and Santana and Ortiz as I was expecting. There was a lot mm. more of that, like right when the Lucha Brothers won the tag titles after All Out, but they kind of put that on the back burner for a little while. And now it seems like that's going to be the case again because Daniel Garcia eventually was able to pin Eddie Kingston, which the crowd was not happy about. They are not oh. prepared to see like big upsets like this. Like, because I don't remember the last time we saw a huge upset like this of like a really low tier guy beating an upper tier guy like this Mm. and it seems like they're going to be working that into the you know storyline for eddie kingston he's had a few big wins in a row he doesn't seem to be very happy right now you know maybe he'll turn heel who knows but that led to uh 2.0 and the rest of the heels beating down on eddie kingston jurassic express made the save ran them off and then held the tag titles and gave them to the lucha brothers they shook hands but it looks like that is the next tag team feud i'm very interested to see where this goes i think christian cage could be turning heel in the near future i'd be interested in seeing that i want to see like heel christian against jungle boy i think that'd be a Mm. really good match to build to maybe have that on revolution or something like that like that match has has some legs to it for me and i like again i don't know this 
but I think because they're holding off Santana and Ortiz against the Lucha Brothers, it makes it more likely that Santana and Ortiz will be the ones to beat them for the tag yeah, titles. Yeah, I can you see know? that. And I wouldn't be upset by that at all. So I'm I'm happy with it either way. I thought this was like a decent main event, but that finish was a little bit wonky. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, this like felt it, like it um played at the fans. To me, like this this felt like a a little bit overbooked the finale of this there was already there was already a lot going on in this match with uh 10 people involved um so like you know there, there was already it was already pretty full to brim but that they, they were trying to juggle all these different stories as they kind of built them over the course of things so like yeah santana ortiz got sort of swept under the rug here like they just sort of dropped off the face of the earth by the end of it, didn't really have a lot going on. The Luchas have the big face-off with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and the little fist bump when they get the thing, when they get the belts back. But yeah, that seems like that's the direction we're going to go in. Uh, the Garcia thing, like you said, it sucks the energy out of the room. And I don't hate that Yeah, because you've got to have something different every so often. It's just that it, they just tried to get the energy back by having a weird other spot do you know what i mean yeah they yeah they did a thing that was they did a thing that honestly they don't do very often at all um which is they genuinely had a legitimate upset and they you know i think AEW does a lot of pandering to its fans it does it you know they they hired cm punk like they couldn't be more (laughs) what do you want for christmas guys it's cm punk cm punk they couldn't be more treating you to the things that you want to see and i feel like here like this was this was a moment that like you either because you don't they don't really do this kind of finish at all luxuriate in it like yeah. let it play yeah. out let the fans be annoyed like genuinely let them be annoyed let's see eddie kingston annoyed don't yeah. shove in a load of other stuff to try and get the heat back um and then do this like this they did this really weird cut to eddie kingston like running off garcia off the stage which came way after jungle boy and luchasaurus had made the save and kind of handed started handing over the belts like it all all the pacing of this ending was wrong when actually they should have been doing they should have been doing garcia like really like leaned into that as the thing this this that was the that's the big story that people are going to take away from this moment like they're going to take away the fact that garcia was the one who pinned kingston with a handful of tights and he cheated but he pinned kingston and you're not you're annoyed about it kingston's annoyed about it and garcia needs to be on stage hamming it up in front of everyone including the including the people watching to just nail home the idea that you you should hate him like he yeah. needed that and you took that so now it just feel, it feels like a moment that the show didn't even really want to focus on like it should have been bigger um, yeah. and i think that's a real shame because i think yeah the match was i think like you i also got i got lost in the match like i got lost in michael base transformers having a fight like i couldn't really make heads about <laughs> what was going on but i enjoyed the colors and the things moving um but yeah like i i just wish the ending had a bit more clarity to it because it felt like too many cooks um for me i definitely agree I definitely agree. You know, you you should have had like Eddie Kingston sitting in the ring, despondent or frustrated or freaking out or something, while Daniel Garcia is celebrating going up the ramp with uh, with two point being obnoxious and everything. Like that would have been a really solid way to go off the show, but you know, instead they they shifted the focus to something else, mm-hmm. and and in doing so, you underplayed that moment, sacrificed the ending of the match. And then just tried to move on. And I don't think that worked as well as it could have. 
But still, I thought it was like a decent episode of Rampage. Not the best that I've seen. You know, there were some things on it I wasn't the biggest fan of, but there were still good moments for sure. Yeah, you know, I really like. I think the I think the the opening match was really fun. Um, gave you kind of what you wanted to see from Trent's return, like, and and from kind of all those characters in the ring. I thought the submission match was really smart and clever. I thought the Dan Lambert section and the Cody section tanked for me, but I can see the appeal of Lambert talking. Like I do like him. I wish, I wish the head section hung to hung together a bit better. And the the kind of the main event was fun, chaotic mess. But yeah. I wish that, that there was some clarity leaving it. Like I don't mind the match being a completely crazy spot fest, but the ending you need to concentrate on what the story is coming out of it because yeah, you've you kind of sucked all of the, um, you I guess you kind of sucked all of the, the meaning out of two different moments there by having two different moments playing out on TV at the exact same time. <laughs> so yeah, a little bit of focus would have been appreciated, but yeah, I thought to that. Uh, I thought Rampage was, a, yeah, a pretty good show. Like, I mean, comparative to SmackDown, there's a big thumbs up from me. Uh, <laughs> comparative to other AEW shows, it's a medium thumbs up from me. Um, yeah, so, I think yeah. that's fair. Should we get into our, our lovely our lovely podcast shoutouts for all of our pledge hammers on the $25 and above tier? You can go and subscribe to our Patreon and get a lovely wrestling nickname, which will get read out on a show like this, including not Eugene, Andrew Dinsmore. Yeah. Way smash the glass ceiling, CJ Slatton. Yeah. Yeah. King RK Jones. Yeah. Wrestle Talk Extra Pole Master Lendell Brenson. Yeah. Probably better than Kyle, Philip O'Reilly. Yeah. One day we'll get a sound effect for the claps or something. Just <laughs> in the human Godzilla, uh, Wooshtrak. Yeah. yeah. Names I've never read before. Yeah. All Star, Chuck Turner. Yeah. Yeah. The real boss, Matt Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Hellfire Brimstone. Yeah. Yeah. Infinite Crisis, Chris Jenkins. Yeah. The Venerable, Jesse Venable. Yeah. Yeah. Pick him up, Luke Sponge. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for your support on Patreon. As always, uh, it really does help us out and uh, we really, really appreciate it. So if anyone else wants to go and find out and get one of these shout outs, Check the info in the description down below and sign up to our Patreon. Uh, let's hop into the final Ultra Chats to round out the show. Um, Zoe Sung has come back in Tempest, first and foremost, with another Pokemon. Uh, another Pokemon wrestler in another Pokedex intro, another Pokedex entry for a wrestler. I've lost the ability to talk now. I don't usually work Saturdays. Since there wasn't a pod on NXT, I'll give another one. Von Wagner, the generic Pokemon. This Pokemon has a heart. This Pokemon is also known for working out in the woods, bromance, and possibly being a serial killer. <laughs> Sounds like Dexter Loomis. 
<laughs> does sound like Dexter Loomis working out in romance. Uh, William Rosmer, I can't believe they turned Men of the Year face last night. It came out of nowhere. I feel even more secure in Kyle O'Reilly showing up soon since Fish ate the pin. <laughs> yeah, I guess anyone in anyone in the ring in AEW turns face when touched by Road uh, by Rody Rody Rhodes Rody Codes Cody Rhodes who who's Rody got the Midas, Codes Rody Codes he's got the Midas touch for face and heel. Bless his little heart. I was gonna say, yeah, oh, poor guys. Poor guys, poor Cody. <laughs> do you think, like, did you think he actually believes that he's just going to stay being a face? Like, surely at this point, like, I think at did, some did point think, he did. Do you think he thought the flaming table would would be the thing that would like get him back on track? Genuinely, I think he might have. I I think there was some part of it where he also needed, like, you know, it's like, oh, I got to do something big in Atlanta and everything, and mm. this this is this is good enough, you know, but. I do probably think that he was just like, ah, oh, this will win him back. I'm going to go yeah. through a flaming table. And they were just like, nah, bruh, we don't care about that. We're still going <laughs> to yeah. boo you. It was cool, but hey, man. <laughs> like, you're still Cody Rhodes. We are just for doing that, Cody Rhodes. Rhodes. Stupid yeah, Rhodey you're Rhodes. just crispy Cody Rhodes now. Crispy fried Rody codes. Uh, the legit underboss says that with the Owen being announced as a men's and women's tournament, this is the Owen Hart tournament. Uh, are, who are your picks to win? Ooh, I who don't could use a win? No, I don't know because this is like really complicated. Because like again, I want to know what like the stakes are for the Owen. Mm. You know whether it's like because if it's like a G one climax type deal where you have all the big stars in it. And you have the person, you know, whoever wins gets the title shot at 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 whatever pay per view or or something like. If it's for a title shot and it's a big deal, then it'll probably be like an upper mid card breaking through the gra- the glass ceiling level guy, you know. Yeah. But if it's if it's like, oh, this is our showcase tournament for the younger talent, then I could see maybe someone like a Dante Martin winning something like this, mm. you know, like give him Hook. something like that. Maybe Hook. You it's never hook. know, but it's always hook. The correct it's answer, Tempest, is hook. Uh, so there yeah. you go. Um, who would you like on the women's side? I don't, again, I don't know. Because if uh, if Ruby Soho doesn't win the TBS championship, I could see Ruby Soho winning something like that. You know, yeah. Ruby Soho to me has, has worked her way into the conversation of just like, you know, if she won, I wouldn't be upset if she won the TBS title, that is. But if she doesn't do that and they go with Thunder Rosa or Jade Cargill or whoever, then I think uh, the Owen would be a lovely next possible big win for for Ruby Soho to get. Mm, I could see like a, I could to be fair, I could see like a Ty Conti kind of walking yeah. away with that as well. Like I feel like she's kind of building that momentum behind her, and I feel like she's been in a position higher than that in yeah. AEW, and maybe the, this is something that could cement her sort of really give her a good chance to build to being like a proper main eventer in future. Um, let's talk about the final one from Legit Underboss who said, I was worried for the AEW Christmas show going against two NBA games and an NFL game at the same time. But then Tony said, send hook. Well, the, the ratings <laughs> will be reflected with the hook. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 genius counter-programming. Tony, well known for his counter-programming. Uh, but that is I all mean, we've got time for. Smackdown if you wanted. Send he, hook. he could if he wanted he just needs to send hook a bit more
Tell us just about a little bit before we went into the main show. Um, what's your favorite Christmas film? <sighs> See, I've got like a gimmick answer, which is kind of still the right answer. Because my, my true answer is Die Hard. Like, mm. I love that movie dearly. And it is the movie that I watch every Christmas Eve. So, I mean, it's it's just the best Christmas movie. The man saves Christmas. He saves Christmas. He reunites his family on Christmas. What's mo- what's not Christmassy about that? But if I'm to give, like, an actual Christmas answer, I'd probably say, like, my two favorite Christmas movies are Scrooged and Miracle on 34th Street. Mm-hmm. You know, one, one, I mean... one classic one and one a little bit more modern you know, and I think they're both just great. You know, I can watch both of those. You know, if there was a there was one year where some channel was just running Scrooge like all the time. Like as far as I know, they probably ended Scrooge and then just started it over again. I probably watched Scrooge that Christmas season like fifteen times or something like that because I just turned on the TV and be on and be like, all right, I'm watching this again. See, I'm not, I'm not a Christmas not a Christmas movie guy. I've not watched a single one yet. Uh, and I will probably attempt to avoid them until that. I mean, I'm watching The Witcher now, so that's, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'll do that until Christmas and then uh, I'll watch something else. I might watch Daredevil again because uh, that's yeah. that's starting to seem relevant again, uh, considering some things that are going on in various bits of media that I won't be talking about. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like for, for me, Christmas films are just a bit like, yeah. like I, I saw about five minutes of The Holiday uh oh. i saw about five minutes of elf earlier um someone else in my house is watching christmas films and i am sitting in this room watching wrestling instead. <laughs> <laughs> currently uh, well I you're the one who's winning anymore. this year <laughs> yeah am i am i really i don't know <laughs> i don't know i watched smackdown i wasn't i wasn't so sure uh, <laughs> that i was winning when i had to get up at very early this morning to watch that so Oh dear. It's almost Christmas yeah. though. That's nice. That is I mean it that's is. good. I'm um, are you getting some proper time off over Christmas Tempest? Uh I am, thankfully. I've got the the week between Christmas and New Year's off, which I'm very much looking forward to. You know, and things are just kind of like winding down a little bit. You know, we've got kind of uh, the bulk of our content planned out for the rest of the year and that sort of thing. So it's kind of like tying up loose ends on little things that haven't been haven't been done yet. So Really, like, once I get through watching Rampage and everything, although it's not going to be on next Friday, never mind. Uh, Once I get through next Friday, I'm just going to be, like, clear of mind. I can do what I need to do for the rest of the year. I might finally get around to watching Succession. I've been meaning to do that for, like, months. I know that's not yeah, very good. Christmassy. It's good. I've been, I've been really. What's more Christmassy than a family that? falling apart? What's more Christmassy than a family like tearing themselves apart? <laughs> I mean, I could watch WWE and just watch what uh, what Triple H probably thinks of NXT if I want to see that. But mm, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the worst no, Christmas I'm... present. <laughs> but I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I got. Uh, I I tend not to to start like new shows unless i know i can finish them you know and in fairly quick if i can binge a show then i'll i'll start it you know otherwise that or if it's a really long show that i know i can just like start and keep coming back to so if it's something like succession which is kind of in the middle you know got a couple seasons but i really have been dragging my feet on watching that show and I think a week off after Christmas seems like a pretty good time to to catch up on some things. 
No, you're going to end up in such a hole with it. It's it's oh, yeah. so good, but it's so it's depressing. They're all horrible people. They're terrible, terrible, horrible people. <laughs> and it's fun to watch them eviscerate each other. But you know, it's when it when it spills over to the common man tempest that you're like, oh man, oh, yeah. the world's the world's screwed. We are. <laughs> these might be caricatures, but these these sorts of people exist out there. They're out there. Oh yeah, tempest ruining Christmas and everything else for everyone. <laughs> absolutely and that this is why i will save this for after christmas so that it doesn't ruin my christmas spirit (laughs) i'll keep the cheer (laughs) until afterwards in which (laughs) yeah (laughs) i can't wait though you know there's a bunch of things i still have like two episodes left of the boys that i still have to finish you know Mm. i've just been i've had those two episodes sitting there for like for like a month or two months so i'm just like okay i gotta finish that show first then I can move on to Succession. I still got to watch Hawkeye. Like I've I've heard good things about Hawkeye, but I haven't seen any of it yet. So I've just been. Hey, Hawkeye's Christmassy. It's very Christmassy. There's lots of Christmas in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll watch that it. this week beforehand. You know, get me in that Christmas spirit a little bit more with some with some yeah. Marvel. Because they play Christmas songs over all the credits as well, so it is quite fun. It's it's it's. I think Hawkeye is a low stakes good show it is it's not doesn't feel massive doesn't feel like it's uh world changing but it's got some nice little character moments in it um Haley steinfeld's character is a great addition to the thing it's got a couple of really cool reveals so far i'm interested to see where it goes but ultimately it's just a nice cheerful little festive marvel treat really doesn't it doesn't do much beyond that which is great uh, we actually have to get out of here though now because uh, we're 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 running out of time. We're going to do the main show now because we do them in the weird order that we do them in. So uh, yeah, subscribe <laughs> to the podcast wherever you get your nice podcasts from. We'll be back next week with more wrestling reviews. I don't know what the schedule is. I don't do the podcast very much, so I don't, look it up elsewhere. I'm not going to tell you. We'll, we'll have Raw and Dynamite yeah, probably and no, NXT. I don't know. Who, some, uh, find it. Don't make me do it. I'm working on Saturday already. I don't want to do this. Bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.